Well, as I always say, it's a blessing to be here with you all today. And I am so honored. Um, my laptop just lost connection, but thank God I got my phone. Amen. I'm always prepared. God is so good. And as you know, I'm preaching today on be prepared. Prepared for the second coming. And it's taken from Second Peter uh, chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 1, and we will read to verse 11. So if you won't mind, allow me to just read the scripture, then we will go into prayer, and then we will get into the word. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want to I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming? He promised. Ever since your fathers died, Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heaven existed and the earth was formed of water and by water. For these waters also, the word of the, for these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heaven and earth are reserved for fire. By keep being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be, you ought to live life, holy and godly lives. Um, let me read that again. Since everything will be destroyed in that way, what kind of people you ought to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Here ends the reading of God's word. Father, we come before you this morning to thank you for who you are. Thank you for the worship. Thank you that we have this method by which we can connect. Even though COVID virus have us all sheltering in place. Thank you that we can gather together. I pray for the word that you have given to me for, for this time. That you would anoint the word and you would enable me to preach this word as you have given it to me, Lord. I am not here to please anyone, God. Neither is this pastor here to offend anyone. I want to preach forth the word as you have given it to me. 
I pray that some will be encouraged, some will be challenged, but all of us will begin to think about getting ourselves prepared for the second coming. I ask that some soul will be saved today or someone will come back into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. I ask this, oh God, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. My brothers and sisters, as I said, the title of the message today is Prepare for the Second Coming. You know, the times in which we are living in this era of COVID-19 and this pandemic, it has been and will continue to be a challenging time. We know we, what we went through in New York City, and we see what's happening in the, in the southern states right now. These days in which we are living almost calls for the church to preach and teach on the second coming of Christ. As I have gone through New York City and I've listened to people and people call me on the phone and whatnot, I have often heard a lot of conversation, mainly, mind you, from non-believers rather than believers. The non-believers are the ones who are talking about the end of the world. They're talking about Armageddon and Jesus coming soon. I said, what? I was very surprised. They talk about Bibles flying off the shelves and Bibles flying out of the Amazon.com warehouse. People are streaming online to church services like never before. Church services have tripled, if not quadrupled in some places because people are so desperate for answers and desperate for help, thinking we are coming to the end, that they're looking for answers. So the same ones who call us hypocrites in the church are the same ones coming to church now online. People are anxious. Now, my question in all of this going on, if the non-believers are reading the times with such acuity, what about the church? We as believers, what about us? Are we looking at the times and saying, what is this saying to us? We are seeing pandemic. We are seeing floods. We are seeing hurricanes. We are seeing fires. We are seeing earthquakes. Why isn't the church reading the signs of the times as the non-believers are? From our text for today, what can it teach us about being prepared for the second coming? I want to talk about three things. We need to stop listening to scoffers. We're going to get that from verses 1 to 7. From verses 1 to 7 again, what do we need to do? We need to be certain and be assured and convinced that Jesus is coming again. Thirdly, what we need to do, we need to educate ourselves about the coming of Christ, about Christ's return. I think, and I'm challenging all the pastors, that this is a time we need to start teaching on the second coming of Christ again, what people need to expect, what the Bible teaches, and so on. But I don't want to give all my sermon at the very beginning. First of all, it says we need to stop listening to scoffers. And we get that from verses, uh, I'll read verse 3 for the sake of time. It says, 
First of all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on just as it is. First of all, we have to understand how can we begin to get ourselves prepared for Christ's coming. We cannot listen to scoffers. Let me tell you who the scoffers were. The scoffers at this point in the church, you see, almost 30 years had passed since Christ was crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ ascended, went back to heaven, and he said he would come again. And they were all looking for Christ's return, preaching it and teaching it. And yet these scoffers were saying, oh yeah, look at all this time has passed. Where is this great one who was supposed to come? You have to understand the scoffers were the Gnostics. The Gnostics didn't believe that the body was filthy, that the body needed to re be redeemed. They believed that it's the spirit that needs to be redeemed alone. So therefore in the body, you could do whatever you want to do because since the body was already bad, you don't have to worry about the body was just the spirit. So therefore they were coming to say, oh, you are talking about there's a time when judgment is gonna come upon the, upon the, upon the earth. No, they don't believe that God would bring any judgment. They did not believe that there was any moral responsibility. So in a way they were ridiculing the church and saying, oh, so Jesus is going to come back. And in these last days, all this devastation is going to take place. And we haven't seen anything happen on 30 years have passed. Let me tell you what the word scoffer is. It is a Greek word, empai, Empikatai. It's E-M-P-A-I-K-T-A-I. It means mocker, scoffer, deceiver, derider, a false teacher. All of that is wrapped up in it. So these ones who were complaining were deceivers. And you know what a deceiver is? A deceiver will talk to you and if you give them enough voice, much of your attention, they will convince you what you believe is not right. And they'll convince you what you don't believe is what you should believe. A deceiver is so powerful. You could be looking at a blue sky and they will convince you it is green and you will leave believing it is green. A deceiver is a false teacher. It's a derider, meaning someone who, um, uh, messes up, who despises whatever you believe in, and their aim is just to take, take away from what you believe and take away, away your confidence. Uh, it is a person, listen to what one commentator says, a scoffer or a mocker or a deceiver, a false teacher is a person who will endeavor to turn all religion into ridicule as this is most likely way to depreciate truth in the sight of the getting multitude. I'll read it again. A deceiver, a mocker, a scoffer, a derider, a false teacher is a person or persons who shall endeavor to turn all religion into ridicule, as this is most likely the way they depreciate 
truth in the sight of a giddy mud, um, a multitude. So the aim of scoffers is to take away the thing you believe in with all your heart and make it look so stupid and foolish that you run away from it. So let's talk about this. How are we affected by scoffers today? You think we are not affected? Yes, we are. We are affected through the media. The media is very focused on deriding, scoffing, deceiving, mocking Christians. They mock our faith. They mock the fact that we stand up for righteousness. They mock the fact that we stand up for conservative values. And I want you to know I'm neither for the left nor the right or whatever people believe in because I believe there is only one way you get to heaven and it's through Jesus Christ, not on which side of the aisle you depend on. But the, the, the media mocks us and ridicules us. There is always something to tear down the name of Jesus Christ, to humiliate the Christians, to make us look stupid and foolish foolish and weak and dumb. Why? Because they do not want us, especially our children, to believe in the strong things of the Lord. A lot of our youth today do not believe that there is a literal hell. Because there's a teaching that goes on, how can a God who loves send anybody to hell? But God does not send anybody to hell. God, Jesus Christ came and died so that all of us can have a decision. We make the decision whether we go to heaven or to hell. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The decision is ours. So they, so they, they talk about that. Then they talk about how we as Christians are intolerant because we don't support gay rights and the LGBTQ rights, or we don't support abortion. And we are not saying that when people get into these situations, we are not compassionate. Yes, we are compassionate. Yes, we will minister to them, but we cannot stand with them in something that's against the world. So the media mocks us and ridicule us um, and takes away the voice of the church. But it's time for the church to begin to speak up, especially about the second coming of Christ. Even people who are not Christians said, oh, you Christian talking about Jesus is coming back. Every time some disaster or some challenge happened, here yeah, you're talking about Jesus coming back. And we haven't seen Jesus come back in all these many years and all these disasters and all this preaching and going on and all this pontificating. And that's exactly what it's saying here. But I'm challenging you as Christians, do not listen to the scoffers. Do not listen to them. Listen to what the word says, because Jesus is coming back again. And one of the way you prepare and you keep yourself ready is that you cannot listen to all the nonsense that goes on on TV and otherwise to try to ridicule what we believe, especially the fact there is coming an end to the world and Jesus is coming back again. The second thing I'd like to, to encourage you, we can be prepared for the coming of Christ by stop listening to scoffers, but also to be rock solid, sure that Jesus is coming back again. And that's, again, I'm going to read again the verse. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires, verse 4. 
They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens were created and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these same waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Be certain that Jesus is coming back again. Be certain. God's word is sure, just as he spoke and the world came into being, that is as sure as he's saying that Jesus is coming back again. Just as he spoke and the world was formed, the earth and the heaven was formed, that's as sure as you can be that Jesus is coming back again. Just as sure as it was, there was formed, the earth was formed out of water, you can be sure that that is happening again. And if you don't believe me, just go back to Genesis. Just as the, just as the word of God, the, word, the world was deluged and destroyed, as sure as that is, Jesus is coming back again. Just as sure as it says that there's coming a day when a judgment will come upon the world, be sure that it's going to happen. The people in Noah's day did not believe when Noah was was warning them about Christ, about the flood coming. They did not believe, but when God speaks, it's going to happen. You can be sure, because when Jesus came the first time, everything that God said came to pass. I am sure that Jesus is coming again for a second time. Why? Because all the words that spoke of his coming the first time, what would happen to him as he walked upon this earth the first time? How he would, how he would be betrayed the first time? How he would suffer and die on the cross the first time? How he would die, be buried, rose again the first time? and that he's coming back again the first time. All of those things can be tracked in scripture. So if for the first time, everything he said came to pass, believe me, brothers and sisters, when he said he's coming back again, mark my words, you can be certain that Jesus is coming back again because it's stated in scripture. If you don't believe me, let me just talk to you a bit. In Isaiah, Chapter 7, verse 14, it talked about the virgin shall give birth to the Savior. And that was manifested in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where it talks about the birth of Jesus Christ. It says he will be born in Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says that the coming Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Well, 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 well. 
Luke chapter 2 verse 1 to 7 talks about the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. The scripture says that when he comes, he will suffer and die. Isaiah 53, uh, Lord, and we can go through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it talks about all that he went through in his suffering. It talks about he would be resurrected. He was resurrected. And even it, for it says in Psalm 60, verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Remember when the woman went to the tomb and they did not see Jesus, the angel said what? He is risen just as he said. Now, you can even go through the seven last words that we always do on Good Friday. And every word that was spoken from beginning to end has a correlation in the Old Testament, all the prophecies. So if all of these tell you that everything that was prophesied for his first coming came to pass, it is going to happen with the second coming. He's coming again. He's coming again. Why? Because in Revelation 22, verses 12 to 13, it says, Behold, Jesus says of himself, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And guess what? In John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus said to his disciples, and I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be. So it may look as though Oh, Jesus died so long ago, and Jesus said he was coming back, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. And where is this Jesus? You Christians are talking a whole pack of nonsense. Could you imagine when Jesus first came, and they started going back and looking to see that he fulfilled every prophecy? Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, though the time may seem as though it's delaying, believe me, Jesus is coming again. Let me go on. The early church held on to the belief that Jesus is coming again, that when they met each other, they greeted each other with the word Maranatha. They took it from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, where it says, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is accursed. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus, meaning Maranatha. So when the early church, if we were to meet each other, we would greet each other, not with good morning, but Maranatha. That's how excited they were about the, the, the return of Christ. God does things in his own time. That's why we can be certain. We cannot put our impatience upon the Lord. When we say soon, we mean maybe 10 minutes from now, not even a week, especially in these days of text and email. Do, do you remember the day when you wrote a letter and people were willing to wait maybe three weeks to get a response? You remember when we used to have memos? Yeah, I know I'm telling my age. When we used to have memos and people would wait for a memo response, 
You remember even when you had an email and they would wait a little time. Now in the age of text and WhatsApp and all of this, people expect when you say soon, it means two seconds from now. But what hallelujah, Peter was trying to tell them, your soon and God's soon is two different kinds of soon. One day to the Lord, he says in the scripture verse, is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Because God does not exist in the time we exist. There is no minute, no hour, no year for God. It's just existence. So when Christ said he's coming again, your soon is not God's soon. It may be 10 years from now. It may be 2,000 years. Christ may come in our lifetime or he may not come in our lifetime. But the aim is to know that Jesus said he is coming. You need to be certain about that and wait upon God because he said it. The reason, but you see, these people were very selfish. And I want you to go to verse 9. Because I want you to understand why Jesus Christ has not yet come. Oh God, my brothers and my sisters, is a loving, compassionate God. Loving and compassionate. He extends his hands of love, maybe even for hundreds of years, so a soul can be saved. Listen to the reason. Why God is delaying. And Peter is telling the scoffers, the reason why he hasn't come yet is because he said he is patiently, he is patient with you and wanting anyone, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's why Jesus haven't come yet. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and then the end will come. That's when it comes. So we have a, a, a commission upon us to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And when we take it to the ends of the earth, then Christ will come again. So don't begrudge the fact and listen to those fools who are scoffing that Jesus hasn't come yet. He hasn't come yet because the last harvest hasn't come in. And I believe, saints, that we are in the last harvest where the last group will be coming in. We have the ability now that the gospel is going beyond iron curtains. Behind curtains, religious curtains. It is reaching the backwaters of Africa because everybody has a cell phone and everybody can tune in. So we are in the last days when the harvest is being pulled in. So the reason Christ hasn't come yet is because God is waiting for the final harvest. Lastly, we need. To be prepared for Christ's second coming. And we need to do so by educating ourselves. Verses 10 and 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. 
and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. You see, he's reminding the scoffers, do not think that God will not bring judgment upon the earth. God will bring judgment in the last days. And verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? Meaning, how should we be preparing ourselves? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Let me talk about this for a minute. We learn about the scoffers and what's happening today. They ridicule us. They ridicule or walk with God. Some even ridicule the talk that we're always talking about Jesus is coming again. But we read in the scriptures that says that the second coming will take place. We don't care what the media says. Jesus says he's coming again, and that ought to be enough. You know, um, we build our homes. Uh, let, let me say this. He said that the coming will take place in verse 10 like a thief. Someone else says like a thief in the night. Now, you build your homes, right? And you have alarm on your homes. Why do you have alarms on your home? You have alarms on your home or you may get a dog or you may have bars on your window, whatever you have, because you are anticipating that maybe one day some home invasion might take place. Mm -hmm. Some thief might come in while you are away. So even though you don't know when they would come, you are prepared in event that they do come. This is what he's talking about. We have to be prepared. We have to do the very same thing because when Christ comes, it will be unannounced and it will be sudden, like a thief in the night. But even though you don't know the day he's coming, you don't know the hour he's coming. You don't know the minute he's coming. You are going to prepare for his coming as in anticipation with the same sort of way in which you would do it. Should you, how you prepare your home should a thief come by. Um, I, you educate yourself by studying the scriptures on the second coming. Matthew 24 is an excellent, excellent chapter to study. Matthew 24 verse 36 says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Matthew 24, 42 to 44 says, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. Luke 21, 36 to 34 says, But watch yourself, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And then I'm going to jump in. It says, But stay awake. The book of Revelation tells us of the challenge and the tribulation to happen before the coming of Christ. But when it ends, it ends to tell us, despite all the tribulation and trouble that's going on, we still win. Amen? And verse 11, Revelation 19 is an excellent chapter to study too, because it talks about how it ends. And I'll read a portion. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord. And verse 11 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he, he that sat upon him was called 
faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and make war. We win in the end. So you've got to take time to study and educate yourself about this. Now, when you study, they're going to talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, mid-millennial, a-millennial. Don't worry about all that stuff. You just prepare yourself by reading to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. But you also have to prepare yourself spiritually while we wait. Just so you put up those alarms in your house, you get the dog or whatever, spiritually you're preparing yourself too. He tells us in verse uh, 11 at the end, let me read it again. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. That means holy, living a holy life means being separated from sin and separated unto God. Very simply, it means keeping short accounts with God. If you know you have messed up, according to the scriptures, confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what living a holy life is. It's not like back in the past, it was wear no makeup or no jewelry, wear your skirt down to the ground and up to your neck and long sleeves. And you know, you sit quietly. No, that's what not holiness means. Holiness means keeping short accounts with God, staying away from sin and endeavoring to live a godly life. You don't want to displease God. The passion of your heart is to please him. And in pleasing him, you study the word to understand what it does to please him. Amen. Then when it talks about living a godly life, it means you're devoted to worship and service of God. Nobody can tell me they love Jesus and do nothing to advance the kingdom. Prayer. You can pray for people. You can get involved in the church in some capacity because when you love someone, you do something. And so in living and being prepared for Christ's coming, stop listening to um, scoffers. Secondly, you, um, you stop listening. You be certain that Christ is coming. And thirdly, you educate yourself. You know what I find interesting? Is it not ironic that one of the ways you prepare for the second coming of Christ is to expect it and to prepare for it? I hope you are encouraged today. I hope you are challenged today. Because in the midst of this pandemic, I know a lot is going on. But you ought to be focusing upon the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, in closing, I want to say this. Jesus Christ is coming for people who have taken Jesus Christ as their Savior. Going to church does not make you prepared for Christ's second coming. The only way we can be fully prepared first is to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John 1, 10, 12 says, For to all who received him, 
to those who believe on his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. You do not become a child of God by going to church. You become by taking Jesus Christ as your savior. So I want to challenge you. Be prepared first, knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Then, don't believe them scoffers. Secondly, be certain that Jesus is coming back. And thirdly, educate yourself and get ready. I hope you were encouraged today to know that no matter what we are going through in this world today, that our Lord has the Lord's the last say. Our God is awesome, powerful, glorious, and mighty. He has not abdicated his throne. He is still in control. I don't care what pandemic is doing to the north, the south, the east, the west. Our God is still in charge. But these are the birth pangs of the last days. And we ought to be better than the non-believers. And read the signs of the time to know that the time is getting shorter and shorter. And day by day passes. It means Jesus' day coming is a day sooner. I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. And nobody is going to tell me that Jesus is not coming when I saw that he fulfilled all prophecies to come the first time and he's coming the second time to, pro to um, fulfill those prophecies. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha, my brothers and sisters in Christ. God bless you. Amen.